it's hard to let go of being sometimes of being a parent because we feel we know what's best for you. And I'll be honest, sometimes we don't. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 203 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's right. That's right. You're not going to say it in Spanish this time, David? <laughs> You're stretching my my Spanish abilities. <laughs> you did 202. You can't do 203? Uh, no, because I don't know what zero is. I think it's zero. Okay. Dos cero tres. <laughs> zero in Spanish. Cero. Good job, Lori. Yeah, good job, Lori. See? Yep. Cero. All right, let's see. How do you say 203 in Spanish? Doscientos tres. Oh, see, that was easier. Yeah. Doscientos tres. Okay. So welcome to episode Doscientos tres. <laughs> we're going to have a bilingual show today. <laughs> no, we're not. We always have a bilingual show. It's the, yeah, that's true. It's the English and then the Southern English. <laughs> Southern ease. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what do we have going on, David? What's going on, man? And we're just, you know, helping people all around the world. Yep. Had somebody from South Africa join the other day. I know. I think that's the third or fourth person from South Africa. I know. It, it's funny because people tend to think that their problems are so unique. First of all, they think they're unique to their own individual blend. and th- They are to a degree. Oh, yeah. But m- most of the time, there's just a huge, huge bit of commonality. And then people could mm-hmm. think, well, it's, you know, it's only because I live in this part of this country or I only make because I live in this country. Uh, it's only people in South Carolina that struggle with blended families. Yeah. But what you find out <laughs> when you're in a you know, like in the academy or, uh, you know, in a position to really see what struggles are happening, you start to realize, man, it's just a, it's an epidemic of global proportions. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, man. I mean, it's hard. So, all right, so I was driving down the road the other day and I was thinking, you know what? Being in a step family and struggling is hard. But doing all the work to improve your blend is hard, too. So choose your hard. Okay. They're both hard. So you can either be miserably hard or you can be improving hard. Right. (laughs) And the thing is, when you're doing that work, you're improving yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. It's kind of like being out of shape is hard. But getting in shape is hard, too. Let's not talk about that. I don't want to talk about that right now. Okay. Our guest today... As Claudette Chenevere. Uh-uh, not Claudette. It is, it's Claudette. What? Yep. Claudette, Claudette, Claudette. <laughs> Chenevere, Chenevere, Chenevere. Yeah. So, so Lori wants to be adopted by the Chenevere's so she can have that last name. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but we'd have to change Lori. That doesn't go with Chenevere. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Lori's too... Plain. So what would you put with it? Lorita? 
<laughs> no. Um, Jacqueline. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jacqueline Onassis Chenevere. <laughs> <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> well, Claudette and I decided to have this conversation about when the stepkids move out. Mm. And when they come back. Yeah, they do tend to boomerang for lots of folks. And we talk about how they don't magically move out when they turn 18. I know. I love those folks. Like, oh, I can't wait. I'm counting down. They turn 18. What's that going to do? I think a lot of people are doing that because of child support, though. Oh, yeah. That's that's definitely a plus um, to some degree. I know my <laughs> baby daddy going to be celebrating in a few weeks. Is he? Woohoo! Yeah. Yep. Jackson graduates. Oh. Yep. I thought about sending him a card. You should send him a card and say, he failed. He's got to retake his <laughs> senior year. <laughs> send him a card and say, congratulations. You have survived. Yeah. You served your time. Yep. And I'm just as happy as you are that you are out of the oh, picture. I know. <laughs> I know. Woo. He thinks he's the only one going to be celebrating. I mean, I was happy when mine turned 18, and I didn't even get child support or pay child support. <laughs> it was just the whole... Being released from some of the... From the grasps of Satan. The co-parenting-ish stuff, which never really happened for us, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that are new to listening to our podcast or don't know, David and I, neither one had decent co-parenting relationships with our exes. Nope. Even though we tried. Mm-hmm. We tried. Just wasn't in the cards. Nope, but that's okay. We survived. Yeah, but you know, if you can do it, do it. And if yes. you can't do it, it's okay. You don't have to do it either. So, but I will say, if you decide to do it, be careful and have boundaries. Ooh, Lord, that's a whole podcast in itself. Yeah, we talked to one lady that things were great with the co-parenting until until her ex got a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. That changes things, folks. It changes things. Yeah. And sometimes what you find out is the things that you said when you thought that you were kind of in a more friendly state comes back to bite you. Yes. We also talk about whether you should charge the kids rent or not. Uh Mm Uh-huh. That's definitely a very important discussion. But I'm going to tell you step-parents... Be careful what you expect these stepkids to do, because when your bio kids or ours kids get that age, you may not feel the same. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be, uh-uh, Lori, you made me charge my kids rent, mm-hmm. and here you are, I want to give yours a free ride. Mm-hmm. Yep. Be careful. Be careful. I'm looking forward to that rent check. My baby ain't paying no rent. <laughs> your babies didn't pay no rent. <laughs> they, they come back and don't pay rent. <laughs> As adults, they don't even pay rent <laughs> with a job <laughs> and a wife and a kid and a cat, <laughs> and they don't pay rent. <laughs> anyway, we also talk about kids taking care of us when we get older, and Claudette said something to the effect of, she doesn't think it's fair to put that responsibility on a child. There ain't no child. Because, well, here's the thing, though. A lot of parents will tell little Johnny when he's 10, um, you're going to take care of mommy when she gets old, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, not not a 10-year-old. I was thinking more like 30, 40-year-old. <laughs> but still, it's interesting to me 
that certain cultures, it's a given. Mm-hmm. You take care of your elderly parents, relatives, whatever. In the United States, it's kick them in a home. Yeah. Put them in a home. Yeah, well, it wasn't always that way. No, but I will say it is unfortunate that our society, I guess, requires people to have such a high income. And usually both people work, so they can't help take care of those elderly people. Yeah. Now, your mom and daddy ain't moving in here. <laughs> no, they got a place to stay. It's like it's like my grandma. She's, what, 97 years old, still living by herself? Mm-hmm. Go, grandma. And not long ago, they uh, finally took her driver's license away. I know, it ain't been that long ago. And she drives in, like, you know, crazy traffic. Charlotte. Charlotte. I know. Yeah. It's like, man, I don't even like driving up there. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Yeah, 90-something-year-old zooming in and out of traffic on a six-lane mm-hmm. highway. <laughs> well, Jackson's always threatened to put me in a nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I do something he doesn't like, he's like, remember, I get to choose the home that you go to. <laughs> so I try really hard to be kind to his girlfriend. Hoping that, hey, she might help take care of me if I need help. Where am I going to be during all this taking care of you? I don't know. I ain't figured all that out. It's stressful. <laughs> so I can't but take then, care of you, huh? Yeah, you can take care of me, baby. I wipe and your booty. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, well, I only had one kid, so I'm going to be nice to your kids and hope that they'll take care of me, too. Oh. That's not working out too well. So you should just be nice to everybody's kids. This is what it sounds like. Now I don't understand why you're nice to the neighbor's kids. <laughs> you're just hoping somebody's kids will take care of you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and I think my best bet with your kids is going to be their significant others. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'm not holding out for anybody to take care of me. Nah, I'm not really either. So if it happens, great. But I'm going to be that just cratchety old man. It's like. Cratchety? Cratchety. I thought it was crotchety. No, I don't like that word. (laughs) (laughs) You don't like hormones either. (laughs) Is it crotchety? It is for me. (laughs) (laughs) We make up our own words here at the Nacho Kids. We also talk about being a grandparent. Yep. So much better. Yes. But I want to have her back to talk about being a step-grandparent. Mm-hmm. And a stepmother-in-law. Yeah, I won't never be that. No. You'll be a stepfather-in-law at some point. Yeah, but I'll be a good one, just like I'm a good stepdad. I said something to Jackson the other day. He was was cooking himself breakfast, and I was like, Jackson, I really appreciate you fixing me breakfast this morning. That was was mighty nice of you, you know, as his eggs are cooking on the stove. Mm -hmm. And he said, anytime, just let me know. And I said, I guess today's like stepfather's day. And he's like, that's every day. You're lying. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. And I said, you're right, Jackson. It is every day. I need to drug test that kid. (laughs) 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 And and the thing is, y'all had this conversation and didn't even say such crap for my benefit. I know. Used to, it used to be for my benefit. So I could roll my eyes and be like, oh my gosh. No. But now y'all just do it on your own. Yep. Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. He's been uh, brainwashed, apparently. <laughs> he knows the truth. He knows if it wasn't about if it wasn't for me coming along in your life, there's no telling what bridge you'd be sleeping under. 
David. <laughs> there seems to be a misunderstanding that I need you. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, your ex thought you lived under a bridge. So I figured, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you're going to make me tell that story really quick. So if Jackson left something at home that he needed, um, or something was forgotten when we did the exchange, I would go drop it off at the bottom of my ex's driveway. Well, his driveway is right beside a bridge. And I guess Jackson would ask him where that stuff came from, and he said, the troll that lives under the bridge. (laughs) See? (laughs) And Jackson told me one day, he said, you bring that stuff? My daddy said it was the troll that lived under the bridge. (laughs) So when I talked to his dad, this was way back when, when we talked for half a second and got along. Actually, I don't think we were getting along, but I still made the comment. (laughs) I said something to the effect of, yeah, I'll just have the troll drop it off. And of course, he busted out laughing. Like, look, you ain't hiding nothing from me. Yep. So see. (laughs) There's a lot of things he thinks about me, David, but we're not going to talk about that. I know. Okay, Claudette and I also talk about setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. Very important. Very important. And I was listening to something the other day, and it was on Facebook, and it said setting boundaries is not necessarily what people think it is sometimes. So, for instance, say you're hollering at me, and I say, you will not holler at me, David Sims. As you holler at me. (laughs) As I holler at you. For those who don't know, that's like yelling. Yeah. That's not setting a boundary. Mm. Setting a boundary is, David, if you continue to holler at me, I'm going into the other room. So there's a consequence. That is setting a boundary. Yes. Gotcha. So there's a difference. Very important to know about setting boundaries. So when you say stuff like, if you do that again, I'm going to pop you in the mouth, that's setting a boundary. Why are you looking at me like that? I just don't even know what to say to you sometimes. <laughs> no, that's not setting a boundary. That's being mean. Well, then quit saying it. I don't say it. <laughs> Evil one. All right. I'm done with David, so that means that we're finished with this intro. All right, folks. Let's get to listening. Today, we have a very, very special guest, Claudette Chenevere. Hi, Lori. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back. Yes, it's always great to talk with you. I mean, we always have great conversations about all kinds of stuff. Yes, all kinds of stuff. (laughs) And you are the stepmom coach. Mm -hmm. Yep. Since uh, 2006, I started my uh, coaching practice then after I had gone to school because I was in trouble with my own step family. Mm-hmm. And I figured I have to find a way to save this marriage, to save these relationships, because I didn't want to be another statistic. Like everybody else who is in this practice, right? We're, we're facing terrible challenges and we're afraid of losing our relationship or marriage and so we look for solutions and so mine was go back to school (laughs) Mm -hmm. and help other people 
and how, well, the helping other people came because I realized I can't be the only one thinking this way. And I was hoping I wasn't the only one. And I know I'm not because if I was the only one, I would be, "Mm -mm, this is scary. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, part of why I started this is when you help another person, when you have a conversation, you come to realize that, you know what? I am not crazy after all. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe Bernard won't agree with this, but that's okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to ask David or Bernard what they think about our crazy. No, exactly. Between you and I, we know we're not crazy. Yes, or we understand we are. Either way, it's good. (laughs) Exactly. It's a special kind of crazy. Yes, it's a lovable crazy. Absolutely. Yes. Well, today we are going to talk about when the stepkids move out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these step parents are, oh, I've got a timer on my phone, the countdown to when this kid turns 18, and they get out of here. Yeah. First of all, the day they turn 18, they're probably not going to leave your house. No. No. They're probably still in school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully. Especially with today's economy, it's not as easy for people to move out as it was 30 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think people need to understand that, you know, that number is not a magic number that automatically when they turn 18 is like, woohoo, it, it's a, it's a, a, a number out that was put there many years ago when kids were living on a farm or not going to college or university looking for jobs. It's a, I will say it's a number that we need to revise and change. One. Second, you know, we think at 18 our kids are mature. (laughs) Studies have shown that the frontal lobe of a teenager doesn't mature. And I, I do this with air quotes here until the ages of 26 to 30, right? And maturity in the term of critical thinking, decision-making. So when we say 18, they're grown-ups. That is the definition uh, according to the government, social studies, or, or social workers in terms of the law. Yeah, it used to be 18 was the age you could buy alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's where a lot of it comes from of, oh, when you turn 18, you're an adult because you can buy alcohol. Yeah. And yeah. And buying alcohol definitely does not make you an adult. It doesn't matter what age. Mm -hmm. So we we can put it there. I think we need to understand that each individual will mature at different stages. Boys tend to mature a little later than girls. And this is proven scientifically it's not that everybody's the same but in general let's just put it in general that boys tend to mature later than girls Mm -hmm. and so this idea of like once my kid turns 18 they get out of the house they're going to be adults we're hands 
we're done with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not quite true. First of all, if you are the parent of this child, you are forever their parent. Yes. You don't tell them what to do as an adult, but you are still a parent with a different role for this adult that is now growing up, hopefully making good decisions, but that you have no control over. Right. And it's almost easier when they aren't an adult in some ways, because the parent does have a little bit of control over them. A little bit of control in terms of, well, this is my house. These are my rules. Let's have a conversation. You know, so I'll just say that while I was growing up, how what was said in our home is under my roof, (laughs) these are my rules, these are my laws, I'm paying for stuff. If you don't like it, you can move. So, as long as you live in my house, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so, with that kind of upbringing, when I turned 18, that is the first thing I did. As soon as I graduated from uh, high school, I did move out. Because I thought, finally, I can do whatever I want. I'm free. Uh, reality really set in fast when you realize, well, no, I can't do what I want because I need to work. I need to pay my bills. I need to be responsible. Yeah. So, you know, there's this illusion that being an adult, especially if you're coming from a, a kid, Like, it's the best thing ever. It's the greatest time in my life. I can do whatever I want. For the parents, and especially for step-parents, it's finally my responsibilities are done. I don't have to do anything. And I think this is one of the biggest myths, the biggest illusions we really need to bust and to put a reality check in there. So that when our kids do leave home, when they are ready to leave home and when as parents and step parents, we feel like that we've done a good job, you're ready to leave home. I'm glad to send you off and to do your best. This is where we need to put our energy and focus. And you know, as I'm sharing this, it reminded me of a client. She came to me many years ago and she was a primary parent i mean her her husband was the parent but as a stepmom she was really taking care of the kids 24/7 and so she took on um helping her oldest stepson go to college and she helped him with school and everything but she was really worried because dad wasn't involved in getting him ready for college the preparation, the filling out the forms. And she said, this kid is not ready to go to college. He's not going to make it. I am so worried. He's going to flunk life. And, and so we had a conversation about what was it she did all the some 10 years prior to get him to where she was. And she realized, well, you know what? He's probably more ready than I thought. And I said, understand that even if he goes to college, it doesn't mean your job is done. You can still continue to be a very active part of his life. You can 
encourage him. You can influence him. I wouldn't say you can tell him what to do because probably he won't listen. Uh-huh. But at least, you know, yeah. Teenagers and young adults think they know it all and they do know a lot of stuff, but they don't know it all. Mm-hmm. Just And so I think we need to have a serious conversations about when our kids are about to leave home, start their own lives. What is our role as a parent, as a step parent, and how can we continue supporting these kids without either suffocating them, undermining them, or getting them so enraged about us that they shut the door and never want to talk with us? Exactly. And we've experienced one of David's kids, the oldest, got out of the Air Force and he and his wife were waiting on base housing. So they came from Japan and stayed with us for three months or so. Sometimes those kids come back, people. Yeah. We call them boomerang kids. Yes. The boomerang kids. Mm -hmm. And it's a different dynamic at that point. Because they are an adult. And even as a parent, you feel like there's maybe limitations on what you should say as a parent versus letting them and their significant other work out those things. Because we may see something and say, well, he needs to do X, Y, and Z. But if she has an issue with it, she needs to address it because she's the one living with him. She's the one that married him. She's the one that has to deal with him now. So as a parent, you have to kind of, or even a step parent, you have to say, "Hmm, you know, that's for them to figure out. And this is where boundaries comes in, right? I mean, you know, I, I wrote the book on boundaries and part of it was our personal experience with two of our kids moving back home. Bernard's oldest daughter moved back home when she came back from Hawaii. And then um, my son moved back home with us for about four years. Mm -hmm. And so both times Bernard and I sat down and had a conversation about, okay, if these kids move back home, and they moved in uh, at different times. They weren't both at our house at the same time. Mm-hmm. So part of the conversation was, do we make them pay rent? Yes. And my conversation was, yes. I mean, if they stayed somewhere else, they would pay rent. We may not have charged them as much as if they had gone somewhere else, but we definitely made them pay rent. We asked them to either help out with make sure your room is clean, you clean because we had uh, several bathrooms, you clean your own bathroom. I'm not cleaning up your stuff. You can do your own laundry. I am not washing your laundry, cooking. We have our meals together. Or if you plan on not eating with us, let us know so we're not waiting. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was, if you plan on cooking your own things, while you clean up after yourself. And so, you know, and these were rules we made because, you know, we wanted to treat them as adults. Mm -hmm. So you want us to treat you as adults, and then I expect you to behave like an adult. 
Right. And so it was an exchange of, hey, this is the things you do. Mm-hmm. At our house, we said, we don't want you to be bringing a whole bunch of friends over mm-hmm. while we're there or even when we're not there. Especially when you're not there. <laughs> yeah, especially when we're not there. And they, and that, that was like, you have options. This is not a hotel. <laughs> right. And so, and these were conversations Bernard and I had prior to saying yes to them. And then once they came into our house, we sat down at the kitchen table and we made a list on a piece of paper. The reason we made a list on a piece of paper from my personal experience and from the studies I've done and from conversations with other people we tend to not remember exactly mm-hmm. what was discussed or agreed upon. And that's why people have legal contracts that are in written form that you can read, put your initials, and then sign. So there's a reason for this. Yes. And so we did this in our own home. The, the kids read it. They saw it. We said, do you understand everything we're asking? Um, and sometimes they think we're rigid, but let me tell you, 20 years later, it's, well, not quite, 15 years later, they're like, well, it wasn't that bad of an idea. Right. Because when you're reading what is written, then it leaves, it helps you to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by, I can't have my friends sleep over? It means exactly that no sleepover of any friends, (laughs) Mm -hmm. whether we're here or not. Do I have to wash the shower every time I clean it? No, you don't have to wash the shower every time. But if it's full of hairballs and all over, it is your responsibility to clean it at least once a week. So, you know, it gave us opportunity to have conversations so that we could have like, a good relationship to, or to b- continue building a good relationship while supporting them. Right. And the other thing that was really important was for if you don't have a job, then you need to find a job. That is your full-time job. Right. If you're going to school, fine. But if you are not working, you need to find a job. Like that is your full-time job to find a job. Yes. And that was that was a non-negotiable for us. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I've thought about is Jackson may at some point need to come back home after he moves out. So I thought about the whole rent thing. And I see benefits to them paying rent. When before David's kids moved out, we had told them if they stayed with us after, you know, a certain time frame that they would need to pay rent if they were not in school. They didn't know that we had talked about taking that rent and giving it back to them when they moved out. So, of course, they're like, what? If I'm going to pay rent, I'm going to go out on my own. Okay, good luck to you. Because we hadn't even set a number. And I guarantee you the rent that we were going to charge was going to be nothing compared to the rent, the electric, all that stuff they were going to pay somewhere else. But 
too often, I feel like, well, we can help them, but your power bill is going to go up, your grocery bill is going to go up, your water bill, all this stuff is going to go up. And yes, you may be able to help them now, but at some point in life, you have to get to the point that you're like, "Mm, they're eating into my retirement. Exactly. And that is a scary thought, number one. It's also a humbling thought because you realize just how old you are. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to be struggling when you're 70 to pay what you need to pay because you helped, quote, quote, your kids out for a year and spent, let's just say $7,000, just to pick a number. That's $7,000 you could have invested that could have been, we'll say, low side, $11,000 after so many years, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we have to think about that. Now, we would hope that our kids would help us when we get old, right? Ah, yes. Hope. That is a very, <laughs> vi- yes. So, so let me touch on, on what you're sh- saying here. So one of the reasons, yeah, we did charge rent and the oldest, she didn't last. She stayed about seven or eight months. Um, For my son, he stayed about, what is it? I think four years or something like this. So the money he paid us, we gave back a portion, but he didn't know either. Right. So when he bought his house, we gave him a chunk of what he gave us as a down payment for his house. But, you know, one of the things we tell or told our kids when they were younger was the best gift we could give you is for us to take care of ourselves so you don't have to take care of us when we retire. Right. Bernard has retired. He's been retired for a little over a year. And because we started over, like this is our second time starting over. Understand that retirement isn't the same. Your retirement changes in that when you start over, whatever you had before, you may not have anything. So we started from zero twice. Mm -hmm. And we started later to reinvest in our retirement. And so when the kids would say, we're getting married, well, we had a budget. This is the amount of money we're giving you. You do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You could buy a house or put it on a down payment for a house, pay an exorbitant wedding, go on a trip, whatever. But this is the maximum we're giving because we're making sure we can retire without having you take care of us or us moving in with you, which we right. don't want to do. And so I think it's important for to think long, long term. Yeah, you want to help your kids. I'm sure everybody says, yeah, I can afford it. We can help them. Are we actually doing them a service? I'm not sure about this because, again, you're keeping them in your under your Thumb, if you wish, well, I'm paying you this, so therefore you need to be doing that. And so kids are feeling like, well, you're controlling me. You're not letting me be myself. And so treating them as adults, treating them as people who 
are capable of taking responsibility, that are capable of doing what they need to do in order to be self-sufficient, you know, that's our job. I believe that is our responsibility, our job. And yes, we help them. There are many ways in helping our adult kids, keeping them in a place where we're not providing them with the incentive to take care of themselves is not a good, uh, it's not in their favor. It's not a good service for them. Right. Exactly. And we can hope all day long, but your kid could decide when they're 40 and just say you're 58, and say you had your kid at 18, that they want nothing to do with you. (laughs) Yes. And that happens too. Yes. Don't assume, because a lot of times I have heard as growing up, well, you need kids to take care of you when you're older. For real? They're babies and you already gave them a job. (laughs) No, seriously. Or we'll have a, a kid together to keep us together. You're giving this tiny human being a job that they didn't ask for. That is not, in my book, that is not okay. People have different opinions, we different views. I get it. And in some cultures, that is expected. I get it. In my culture, in my world, is like giving a job to a tiny human being to take care of people. Nah, I'm not sure. Because yes. it builds resentment. It builds resentment. Well, not just that, but... Even if you have a good relationship with your kid, they've got their own responsibilities. And what if they're living paycheck to paycheck because their wife got ill? I mean, we cannot predict the future and we should not rely on other people to take care of us. Yeah. And I will say I have seen where the mother said to her kids that you know, I gave you life. Now it's your turn to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, for real? And it nearly ruined the marriages of her kids because she was so imposing. And she would spend money that she really didn't have, but said, oh, you guys have a lot of money. You can pay for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of, Things that, you know, could go well. And I, I, I mean, I've seen people who've built like little houses attached to their, their granny suite or yeah. whatever. And they work out super well. But it's not the same for everybody. So obviously, there's different aw- approaches. There's different ways of coming together, especially as you as empty nesters. But don't assume that your idea of how it's going to work is going to match what the kids' view is. And if they have a partner, if they they get married, well, there's another person who has an opinion in this. It's no longer just them, right? Yes. I know Jackson, my son, he says periodically, that I need to get ready for the nursing home. (laughs) 
And my first response was, I wiped your butt, you can wipe mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, him being my child, he said, that was your choice. <laughs> and he's correct. Mm-hmm. Of course, if there was a choice, someone would rather stay with their kid than go to a nursing home. Yeah. But I had to take care of my sister for the last couple of months of her life. And I did not want her to feel like a burden. And I felt guilty when she did. Mm. She'd always call and say, hey, can you stop by the grocery store and bring me such and such? And I'm like, I hate the grocery store. Can you give me a list? And I can go once a week. Well, I don't know what I want to eat till that day when I wake up. And then I finally get home. And Jackson says, are you always going to be this late because you go by her house first? Add to the guilt, son. Add to the guilt. And you get aggravated when she would call. And you don't, you don't want that to be how you are. But that's neither here nor there. We do the best we can. But definitely try not to plan to rely on your kids. Exactly. Because... And God forbid, but they may not even be there. Exactly, exactly. And this is the same. Let's say your your kids or your stepkids have children, and you become a grandparent, right? And so there's two things that can happen: either they depend on you to be there, to be the babysitter, the caregiver, to buy the extra things. And then again, you know, it's another responsibility that you're taking on. If you want to and you love it, go for it. But understand that, you know, if you are parenting your grandchildren because you feel your adult kids are not doing it, quote unquote, the way you think they should, right? And you're setting yourself up for some conflict, some issues down the road, either with your grandchild or with your own kids or even as a step parent. The thing is, is that, again, we're talking about having some boundaries here. Like, do you want to be taking care of a grandchild every single day of the week? Or is it okay occasionally? Right. I mean, I took care of my oldest granddaughter one day a week, and it happened that it was a Wednesday, and I enjoyed it because it wasn't a time that I was busy. I wasn't doing much, and if there was something that I couldn't, then I'd say, okay, today isn't working, but I wouldn't do it every single day. Right. Because I wanted to keep my role as a grandparent and not the parent. And I remember there were times when I overstepped my bounds where I would tell my grand my granddaughter to do something and my son would say, No, I don't want her to. And I said, Come on, let her do it. And he said to me, Mom, this is my daughter. I am her father. I get to decide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are right. Yep. And so again, we're, we're trying to, we think we're helping. Mm-hmm. We think we're like providing them with some support, some care. But 
if it's not what they want, if our adult kids are thinking, this isn't what I want, or you're, you're imposing your beliefs, your values on me, and, and we don't agree, this is where conflict continues from way back when, maybe. You right. know, I remember like hearing people say, when I was growing up in this house, we couldn't do anything or you you wouldn't let us do, let's say, sleep late, whatever. And here you are, your kids are adults and they're living your own, their own life. And here you are as a, a, as a parent saying to your kid, well, don't you think you should go to bed early because you look tired? They're adults. They, <laughs> you know, they yeah, they should know better. But they're the ones who are going to pay the price for it, not you. Exactly. It's hard to let go of being, sometimes of being a parent, because we feel we know what's best for you. And I'll be honest, sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is hard. That is yes. hard for any parent role, whether you're a step parent, a parent to understand and realize, well, maybe you don't know what's best for your adult kids. Right. Yeah. And it's hard. It is hard. And sometimes you have to let them fall and stumble and, you know, be there to catch them. But sometimes some kids, and I know from experience, we have some kids who need to fall and stumble and maybe have a bruise or two mm-hmm. and an ego adjustment in order for them to say, hmm, I don't think that was really smart. Yes. And I've got a little story. Mm-hmm. And let's just say the grandparent, we'll call him Lori's dad. <laughs> <laughs> My sister passed away several years ago, and my mom did too. And my mom had actually helped raise my niece and nephew. My niece had a child very young, so my dad, quote, quote, helped her. During that time of helping her, he actually enabled her. She did not care if he could pay his bills as long as she got what she wanted. Years later, she's married, has three more kids. Who does she call when someone needs a bed? Oh, let's just say Lori's dad. That's who she calls. And it drives me insane because my dad is retired. Again, she could care less what he gives up. And that bothers me. But she gets that from how she was raised with my mom, too. They both felt bad that she didn't have good parents. And my mom would shop at Kmart for us for our clothes. But my niece and nephew, they wore Aeropostale and Gap and all that stuff. They weren't wearing that cheap stuff. But here's the problem. I did not nacho this. And I talked to my niece one day. And I said, you do not understand the stress you are putting on my dad. He's not going to tell you because that's just not who he is. I said, but I want to tell you something. When he dies, you're screwed. I'm not raising you. 
You are an adult. You have chosen to get married. You have chosen to have additional children. It is your responsibility to take care of yourself and those children. So don't come knocking on Lori's door when granddaddy dies because I will have to turn you away. You are not my responsibility. I love you. I would help you if you needed help, but that's not what you need. What he's doing for you is not helping you. And it's sad. And of course, David says, you know, when your daddy dies, I'm like, don't even, don't even. But he knows that I, it would be, he knows it'll be hard for me to say no, but I have to be able to stick to those guns and those boundaries. Because if not, here I'm going to be not being able to buy my depends (laughs) when I get older because I help raise her and her kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great example. It's a sad example, Mm -hmm. but it's a great example of when we enable dependent behavior, right? And and it's not because your niece isn't capable of doing it. I'm sure she's very bright and capable she doesn't have the reason for why, she, why would I do it? Like, and so a lot of times, you know, when we avoid dealing with problems when they're younger, it just gets bigger when they're older. And again, this comes back to, you know, you think when your kids leave home, everything is going to be fine. You don't need to do anything. But the reality, if you never have a conversation, if you never have say things like, you know what, this isn't okay with me, mm-hmm. we really need to have a conversation on why you should stop uh, mooching off of my dad or your grandfather or, or whoever. Mm-hmm. You need to stop mooching off. And how I see this is, it's expressing your concerns, your fears, frustrations, your frustration. Yes. frustration, exactly. Like you're seeing a train wreck about to happen and you're watching and not saying anything. Yeah. Saying something, is that going to create rift? Absolutely. Like no one wants to be told you're a moocher mm-hmm. or irresponsible or freeloader. But the thing is, is that, you know, sometimes someone needs to say, hey, this isn't okay. And it's not about hurting feelings, but it's about let's get real here. This is where you as the adult need to have thick skin. You know, sometimes it's important to say what we feel and not be worried about hurting other people's feelings or It's not about us. I think we need to understand that when we express our thoughts and feelings, it's also done out of love Mm -hmm. and concern for other people. Yes. And this is where we need to have thick skin in order to be able to endure or hear the backlash that's going to come. Because no one wants to be told they're moochers or that they're freelancers. Voters and but if we don't say anything, they're gonna feel like, yeah, you don't care. You're not saying anything. You're like accepting my bad behavior. 
And so that's why I think that sometimes telling someone, whether it's our nephews or nieces or kids or stepkids, say something like, you know what? This isn't okay with me. I am not accepting or okay with what you're doing. Not that you're going to report them or or maybe just let them know you're not okay. You know, a lot sometimes people say that if my kid did such and such, <laughs> I would definitely say something. The reality is sometimes we are afraid of voicing our concerns or our opinions because we're afraid of hurting that child or that that other person um you know i'll say that when my son was 18 18 19 we were going through the process of getting our green card and as a, a immigrant when you move to especially to the us you are often on a visa and on the visa it tells you what you can and cannot do and mm-hmm. if you do certain things like duis or misdemeanors or things like this it is a possibility of being deported and so my son thought well i don't care i'm going to do whatever i want i'm 18 now no one's going to tell me what to do and so at some point we said okay this behavior you're doing you we can't you can't do this and not in our house and this is inappropriate he says yeah but in canada we can do this no you're not in canada you're in the us mm-hmm. you really need to abide by the rules and laws here so right. i had to tell my son crying that he had to leave i said i cannot allow you to continue living in this house if you do not want to abide by our rules because we don't want to be in trouble with our visas or our green cards and things like this and it was the most difficult thing i have ever done in my life telling my son he needed to leave oh i can't imagine and I, we cried. I mean, I cried, my husband cried, and my son, to punish me, would not respond to my phone or my text. He wouldn't let me know where he was staying for almost two months. At least I knew some of his friends were letting me know he's okay, he's fine. Mm-hmm. But I was worried sick. He was punishing me. Yeah. For use setting boundaries. Yeah, exactly. It was like, no, this is, this is like a non-negotiable. We mm-hmm. cannot say yes to it. We can't allow you to do this. Not in our house. Right. And so, you know, today, like he's, he's, he's going to be 40 and he is very like strict. He'll follow the rules. Yeah, he has different opinions from me, very different opinions, but that's okay. I tell him, as long as we respect each other, we can have different opinions. We don't have to agree. Mm -hmm. But 
if it's a non-negotiable, that, that is, I, we, I can't ban on something that is a non-negotiable for me. So, you know, we all do things that are very hard, thinking mm-hmm. this is it. We'll never each talk with each other. This is the end. And then they come and realize, yeah, I know you did it because it was the right thing to do. Right. And he understood that it was probably the hardest thing I ever had to do. But he was also part of that decision making process. Right. He chose to continue on with his behavior, which for me was not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, lessons we all learn. Can we predict the future? No, we can't. Was I taking a risk in uh, setting uh, some strict boundaries? Yeah, I was taking a risk. Mm -hmm. And that risk was I had to live with my values and beliefs, even at the cost that my son was going to reject me. And I was hoping that common sense would enter his head at some point. But again, you know, our kids, we raise these young people to what well, we did anyways, to think for themselves, to be responsible, to do what was right. And then once they leave our home, we have to let go mm-hmm. and, you know, let them make their own decisions talking to you is very interesting because I always thought my dad was soft mm. or just didn't like conflict because there's a difference. Yeah. But talking to you, I realize because my sister still lives with my dad. Okay. My sister will be 45 years old this year. Wow. I believe he still pays her car insurance. I know he still pays her cell phone. I know he pays the property taxes. Yeah. And I think he may charge her and her husband $50 a week. Wow. That doesn't cover the power they're using. But anyway, (laughs) I'm realizing my dad has trouble setting boundaries. Mm. But what's funny is I was pregnant and I was having a house built and I had to move back in with my dad. You know how much rent he charged me? No, how much? 500 bucks. <gasps> wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A big change, a big difference. But I'm also the child that would never ask him for anything. Mm. If he bought something at the store and said, oh, I saw this and I remembered that Jackson liked these, then I would offer to pay. My niece and my sister are not like that. Mm. They would come over here. You could order pizza because they wanted pizza. They're not going to offer you a dime. Whereas Mm. I'm not that way. And I don't understand how they are so different. Especially my sister. We were raised in the same house. My older sister was the same way as my younger sister, though. She felt like she called my dad when he was in the hospital one time and said, you need to let me borrow your car while you're in the hospital. Who asks that? Yeah. It just astonishes me some of the stuff that is so different. And 
my sister actually saw something at my house one day she liked, and she said, can I have that? And I was like, no. And I said, let me ask you something. What makes you feel like it's okay to ask people if you can have their stuff? She said, you wouldn't believe the stuff people have given me by me asking. Wow. I'm like, well, I'm not giving you crap. Yeah. Whereas if I see something at your house, Claudette, that I like, I'll say, where did you get that? Yeah. Not can I have that. (laughs) And here's the thing, though. If we want our kids, and I'm saying our kids, not our stepkids, because, you know, I'm all about the nacho thing. Yeah. But you can still teach your stepkids things by your actions. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You know, one of the big philosophies, one of my philosophies is it is better to show by your actions and your behaviors than Mm -hmm. tell someone what to do. Yes. Especially teenagers. Teenagers and young adults, well, actually, a lot of people don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be told either. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm the type that if you tell me what to do, I will do the contrary. (laughs) Yes, yes, same here. I will do the reverse of what you told me to do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times I was sharing with someone this morning, I have nine nephews and nieces. And when they turned 16, they came and spent two weeks with us. And we would take them and and do all kinds of things that they wanted. So we asked them, what are the things you like to do and would want to do? One had said uh, parachuting. I said, "Uh, no, that's off the list. And ziplining is off the list. So Mm -hmm. you can do whatever else, but we're not parachuting and ziplining. So I'm sure we can find other things. So so we did two other things. But the one thing that like 15 years later, I have many of my nephews and nieces tell us like, thank you for showing us what a couple looks like, that it doesn't have to be perfect. Yes, we argued. And because Bernard and I argue and sometimes, yeah, we're, but <laughs> and that's who we are. But we are also able to apologize in front of other people. Like, I'm sorry I said this. Or, yeah, that wasn't really smart. Or So our nephews and nieces and our kids, too, got to see that, hey, you know, you can be a human being. But, yeah, we get frustrated and angry. And we can apologize. We can say we're sorry. And so my nephews and nieces would say, thanks for being such a wonderful role model, for showing us the things that we can do to improve our relationship, that even when things are hard, you don't give up. You continue being there for one another. You know, you support one another. You encourage one another. And so, again, we didn't tell them anything we showed it through our actions and our even our kids see this and my granddaughter says it and so you know you want to be an influencer to your adult kids or your teenagers at home walk the talk mm-hmm. do what you say and be, because that was the one thing growing up 
my parents would say one thing, but they would do something else. And it was like, that is so not okay. Like in my, I thought it was so hypocrite. And I even dared to say that it was hypocrite. Let's say it was not pretty. But the, the thing is, is that, you know, if you want people, if you want your kids, your stepkids, your your people around you to believe you, you really need to walk your talk. Yeah. It is the most powerful influence you could ever do. Right. And you can't tell your kids, don't lie, that's not good. But then when you go to an amusement park and they say, oh, act like you're nine so we can get the discount. Yes. 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 Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we we want our kids to behave better than us. And yet here we are, we reprimand them for behaving the way we behave. And it's like, whether it, it's about drinking or driving, speeding, or all these other things that we do, we think like, oh, it's not a big deal. Being a role model is the most important, most effective way of influencing your stepkids, your kids, other people around you, because, you know, people will listen and respect you more by when you're walking your talk rather than telling people what to do, but you're doing something else. You know, speeding examples, I was talking about speeding and you know those little fibs we tend to say, or yeah. So just be mindful that your actions and your behaviors speak louder than anything else. And so if you're having problems with your your teenagers or your adult kids, sick kids, ask yourself like, what is it they're seeing in me, and what is it that they're feeling um what is the discrepancy between what what I'm saying and what I'm doing right yes well Claudia it has been great having you as a guest oh thank you I really enjoy our conversations and I know we could talk we we could talk forever there's so much there's so much we could say but thank you so so much for having me here I love what you do. I love your nacho method. People really need to understand what it is and stop making assumptions about what they think it is. Yes. And people can find you at stepmomcoach.com. Correct. And also, I want you back because I want you and I to have a conversation about being a step-grandparent. Yes, absolutely. Step grandparent is very different from being a grandparent. There is a few things that are different. Absolutely. Well, I'm not a quote, quote, real grandparent yet. And considering Jackson's about to turn 18, we can wait a little while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes. No hurry. No hurry. Just take your time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Jackson, take your time. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. One other thing that Claudette and I talk about is making a list of what is agreed on. 
So if you and I are talking about, okay, one of your kids is moving back for whatever reason, and we make a list of what's agreed upon. For instance, we're not doing their laundry. <laughs> yeah. They can do their laundry on Thursday because we do hours the other days. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of make a list, mm-hmm. including how dinner is going to be handled. They can cook all the dinner. <laughs> they can cook all the dinner. <laughs> as well as the expectations for cleanliness and things like that. But, again, warning, warning, this list can't be everything Lori thinks that should happen without David giving his input. Yeah, you're kind of going back to the same rules and formats like when they were younger. House rules and consequences. Yeah, even though they're 25, 30 years old. It's like, oh, (laughs) got to go back and do some of the same things we did before. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why it's so important when you learn how to nacho, you don't forget how to do it. You keep using those tools over and over throughout your blended journey. Yes. So that being said, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess we're done, folks. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share this episode out to all your friends and family. And those you care about no, most in your life. No, no, no. <laughs> you might not want to send this to your family. <laughs> send this to you. <laughs> All right. And remember to join us again next week. And life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.